Uh, We're in Psalm 103. And in Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And it talks about bowing to God's sovereignty, not just worshiping and praising Him, but bowing to His authority, acknowledging that through a bowed knee that you're surrendering, that you're dedicating, that you're giving, that you're pledging allegiance to the one and only God. It goes on to say after, after that, don't forget all of his blessings. And he lists all the blessings that God gives us. Blessings in this life, blessings of, of healing, blessings of eternal salvation. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing. How many of us this week have been blessed by the Lord? How many of us that, you know, sometimes we know the things that God blessed us with. A lot of times we don't understand what God kept us from. So it's, it's important that we realize his blessings, that we don't forget every single day to wake up and say, Lord, I thank you for being able to serve you today. Then it talks about, after all the blessings, it goes into God's understanding of man. And the reason why he has compassion on us is because he understands us. He knows us. Here's God as infinite, and here we are as finite. God's eternal, we're temporal. It goes on, and where I get to today, in Psalm 103, verse 15. And it says this. As for man... Now, that, this one doesn't give it, but most of the... T- it says, as for man. As for man is, is a phrase that gives us a comparison. Comparing God to humanity. And he says, as for man, his days are like the grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone. And its place is not even remembered. If you would go on on that next one. Oh, that's it. Never mind. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Though so I find it amazing that the psalmist talks about the blessings of God, and then he goes into understanding why God blesses us, and then he goes and says, as for man, and he begins to compare God and humanity. And it's really interesting, because God is without beginning or ending. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever considered the fact that God is eternal? He never had a starting point. God doesn't have a starting point. Let me, let me say that again. God does not have a point where he began. God is eternal. He has always been. Scripture tells us he will always be. He is the creator of all things. Everything that you see, everything that you know to be true, this earth, this life, the moon, the stars, the, the solar system, the celestial bodies outside of our solar system, everything that we know and understand and can comprehend about life, God created. 
And you say, well, God must be great because he lives in the solar system. But the truth is, we don't know how great God really is. He created all this, but the scripture doesn't tell us everything else that he has created. We know a portion of God. We know an understanding of God. And I, I think it's, it, it's my understanding that the more we try to comprehend God and try to understand him, the, make, the smaller we make him because our mind is so finite that we cannot comprehend an infinite God. We don't really realize. Humanity doesn't understand how great God is. God is not only the creator of all, but he's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He has all power. There's nothing that he cannot do. There's nothing that he cannot accomplish. There's nothing that he cannot stop. There's nothing that he cannot start. There is nothing impossible for God. Every ounce of power that we know, whether it is through in an electron or, or a proton, or whether it's, it's in this physical world or the biological world, everything that has to do with power and light and life is a creation of God. Everything that we know. He's omnipotent. And, and we think about all of the amazing power. We think about the power of a hydrogen bomb or, a, or an atomic bomb and we look and we say, man, that, that, that is incredible that something that we can't even see with our eye can, could create such energy and destruction and yet God has created that and we don't even know what he's created outside of that. When we say God is omnipotent, what we're saying is God is so far above us. You ever seen a fire ant? When you see fire ants, do they live very long? Or do you take it upon yourself to, to end their, their little life? especially when they're on your ankle and they're biting you. They hurt. You know, I, I have stepped on ants. I have killed ants. The other day I went into one of the rooms and I saw some ants crawling on the wall. Didn't bother me a bit to put them out of their misery. But scripture says, in the greatest comparison that we could get, that God is like humanity and, and we're like ants. And yet, in reality, God is so much greater than that. We look at ourselves and we think, oh, we're great. God looks at us through his omnipotence, his power, and he sees that there's really nothing that we can do, that we are frail in comparison to him. He's omniscient. He knows everything. The eternal teenager that knows all. God knows everything. We're still discovering things. And, you know, to be honest, I think that 
It's amazing back in the 1800s when they had a train that went 30 miles an hour, I forget who it was, that said, you know, this is the fastest man never needs to go. It's, isn't it incredible that electricity and, and, and everything else that has been created, we talk about it being invented, but in reality, when God created the earth, he put the dynamics in place that humanity could find and discover his creation. Electricity is not a creation of man. It's a creation of God that man uncovered because God led him to it. Everything that we know, and we look at artificial intelligence and we say, man, that's incredible. Who gave the ability to create artificial intelligence? Everything that we know, God spoke into existence. God is omniscient. He is far above everything that we can think of he's omnipresent he's everywhere at the same time is that incredible that he is here in this room if you have the holy spirit inside you he's living inside you he's in the heavens he's in africa He's in Cleveland. He's around the globe. He's in the universe. He's outside the universe. There's no place that you can go that God is not there. We serve a God that has all power, all knowledge, and he is everywhere at all time. He knows everything. He even knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. He understands our motives better than we do ourselves. And, and the psalmist is talking about God, and, 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 and he's looking at God, and, and, and he's saying, man, he is so big. And then he says, as for man, He's as temporary as the flower of the field. You're here today, and then tomorrow, you're not. Your, your beauty lasts but for a moment because we're trapped in time. Scripture says that we're here today and we're gone tomorrow because the wind blows. We're dried up and we're gone and this is amazing he said even the spot in life that we had no one remembers anybody ever been to Lake Eola amazing lake isn't it nice do you know where it got its name The fifth mayor of Orlando, his last name was Summerlin. There's a street name for him, an area name for him. He named the lake after his wife. Lake Eola is there, and we go by it, we say, oh, this is a great lake, but we don't even remember the person that it's named for. Our time here is short. Our place is gone, and eventually people will not remember us anymore. And I look at that, 
But the scripture says, as for man, God's eternal man isn't. But then he has the biggest word in the English language. But. The exception. Says, let me, let me read it to you again. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. God understands when we look at God and we look at man and, and, we, and we see how great he is and how small we are and we say, how could we ever survive? And the key is in the exception. It's the but. God understands us. Us and he knows us when we fear him and keep his commandments. Don't you love that? Think about it. God doesn't forget those that respect him. God does not forget those and wipe them away that revere his name. The world may not know you, but God knows you. People may forget you, but God's not going to forget you. And anybody that has given their heart and life to Christ, when, when Christ returns, you're not going to remain in the grave because he knows your name. And when he comes back, he is going to call your name and you will arise. See, it's not about how great we are. It's not about how great and magnificent we can accomplish or the things that we can accomplish. It's simply about him knowing us and us knowing him. It's the, it's the greatest word in that passage of Scripture. But those that know the Lord, those that fear him, God always remembers. You were a nobody until you met Jesus. I, I spoke not too long ago on the woman with the issue of blood last week. She was a nobody. We don't even know her name. But when she reached out and connected with Jesus, Jesus didn't say, nobody touched me. He said, somebody touched me. When you know Jesus, you go from a nobody to a somebody. You go from one that was lost to one that is found, one that was without, without hope to one that has hope, one that had no future to one has eternal destiny awaiting them. And it's because you know Jesus. I was lost, but God. I was without hope, but God. The Hebrew children... We're in the fiery furnace, but God delivered them. Daniel was to be an appetizer, but God delivered him. Noah was to perish, but God had him build an ark. God always makes a way for those that revere and respect and honor his name. To be known of God is the greatest thing that we can ever achieve. Because we will be known, not for a day, not for a moment, but for eternity. Famous people that we may know that we grew up uh, hearing about or watching in the movies or watching on the world stage, they come and they go. And you may remember their names for a while, but they can't help you once they're gone, they're gone. They can't hear you. They cannot save you. 
they are like you and I, that they are here for a moment, and then they're gone. And the author of Psalm 103 tells us that the greatest thing that we can do is to fear God and keep his commandments. Stay in awe of his greatness. That's what reverence and, and, and fear it means, is, is to not look at God, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, with cheap grace. Don't look at God and say, well, you know, he, he saved me and I can just kind of do what I want. You need to look at the grace of God that Christ on the cross and realize the sacrifice that was made that's, that's something that is mortal that, that could become eternal and that something that was doomed for destruction is now destined for greatness that, that it didn't cost a little but it cost Christ everything and when we look at the grace of God as costly it transforms how we think Stay in awe of his greatness. Matthew 10, 28 says, don't, Jesus said, don't fear the one that can destroy your body. Fear the one that can destroy your body and soul. It's important to keep God in proper perspective. Protect the covenant you have with him. It's that costly grace Continually make Christ supreme in your life. Surrender to his will for you. Always keep him as your primary goal in life. Humanity is, is always trying to rewrite or renegotiate with God the terms of the covenant of the New Testament that Christ died for us. And as the song says, I surrender all. Christ wants us to surrender all. And the reason why he wants us to surrender all is because the things that we're trying to hang on to are so insignificant that they are temporal. And he is wanting us to grab onto the eternal. And we fight him like, like a two-year-old fights their parent. You say, well, how do you know that? I have a two-year-old in the house, and I watch that ongoing process. You know what's best for them, but they just don't care. And we're kind of like that with God. He wants us to grab on to the eternal, and we want to focus on the temporal. It's that renegotiating with God that we want to just renegotiate and we'll say well God we will we'll give you some of our life but not all of it and and God said no that's not the way it works I want everything because I want the very best for you God's looking for people that will reverence his name that will respect his power that love his holiness that keep his commandments God is looking for people to pour his grace upon. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. Would you stand with me?
I want to uh, leave you with Ecclesiastes 12, 13. The, the preacher that wrote, and he wrote, if you've read the book of Ecclesiastes, I'm sure you've heard it in song uh, from the 1960s, the birds, turn, turn, turn to everything there is a season and a purpose for everything under the sun. Uh, you have probably read the, the book of Ecclesiastes about, about uh, sayings that are just so in-depth. But at the end, he said, let us consider the whole matter. Let's consider all of life. He said, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole responsibility of man. The only thing that God asks of you and I is to fear him, to respect him, and just simply do as he has asked us because he means us no harm. Trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Would you pray with me? Father,